0: Did you listen to your dad's advice? Or did you often say, shut up, dad? This is the Shut Up Dad podcast with hosts Alexis Goldbranson and Scott Goldbranson, helping to bridge the generational divide and doing it with love and in fun along the way. A father and daughter exploring the growth of their relationship as they age. And now, here's Scott and Alexis.
1: All right, welcome, everybody. The first ever Shut Up Dad podcast. I am the dad. My name is Scott Branson, and my daughter Alexis Goldbranson, is my co-host. Sweetie, how you doing today?
0: Doing well, you know, just another day enjoying the great indoors.
1: <laughs> oh yes, the the COVID uh, era will be one that you'll look back. Hey, listen, when you have kids, you'll talk about this with your kids. If you have kids, you'll just you'll talk about this with <laughs> them and say it pretty much sucked. But at the same time, we learned a lot, right? And you, you figure that this is just one of those historical things that when you're living through it, you don't necessarily understand the impact or what it means for everybody. But uh, down the line, it will. We did. You were a baby when 9-11 happened and all of that. So you you tend to, as you get older, you tend to kind of use these as kind of waypoints in your life and think oh yeah remember this remember that. So anyway, but that's it. Let's talk about why we're here and that is the purpose of this podcast, right? So you're you've downloaded this podcast or you're streaming it on Spotify or wherever you may listen to your podcast and you're saying, "Okay, what is this Shut Up Dad podcast stuff about?" Well, the purpose of the podcast really was just my daughter and I both communicative, we like to talk I host a radio show, which is a sports-related radio show here in Las Vegas on CBS Sports Radio 1140 about the Raiders, so it's football-related. Alexis is in digital marketing. She just graduated from college a year ago. But the purpose of this is really to just talk about the differences in generations, right? Because your parents give you crap. They say, when we were young and we walked through the snow eight miles one way to school, all that kind of stuff, we're going to explore all that and have fun with it. But at the same time, maybe use it as a way for us to talk about differences and and how maybe generational differences aren't always that different. We just look at them through different lenses. Me, 50 years old, Alexis, 22 years old. But still, I think it's worth exploring. So we wanted to do that and, and talk about. It. So we'll we'll take up subjects on here, some of them, quote unquote, controversial, although we're not going to Go crazy and try to be some shock uh, value podcast. Really, it's just exploring. You know, as as I age and as Alexis age, you know, your relationship chip starts to change. At least for me, we brought up our kids not to be friends to our kids per se. Uh, we had a job to do and to raise oh. them. Right.
0: I feel like you're my friend. Uh, well, well, now one way or another, it happens.
1: Yeah, y- yes, but that's now, right? So you're an adult. You're on your own. You live in a different city. You're a professional now. And so the relationship changes. That's just the life. I mean, sure, we're always your parents. You'll always be my only daughter, by the way. I have four sons, Mm -hmm. but Alexis is my oldest and my daughter. So we're going to have that. And yes, the relationship changes. And that's what we're going to explore here. And I'm sure you'll have stories about some of them embellished, I'm sure, uh, about when you were young (laughs) and I did this and you did that or whatever. But the whole idea here is to talk about those differences and how, how things change. And then also what we really want to do because uh, Alexis and I love music. We love culture. We love, you know, movies, all that. Her mom, my wife Ellie loves movies. So we, we we're a movie music kind of family. And mm-hmm. so we're going to talk through some of that too, as things come up, but really the purpose of it is, and I think the, the good thing about this podcast is you could be like me, a 50 year old dad or mom or in your forties, thirties, wherever you are in your parent kind of timeline, or you could be a child, uh, whether you're in your teens, up through your 20s or 30s, or even older. Uh, and I think you'll find something that you can take away from this podcast and say, yeah, I get that. So I'm hoping that these conversations, and we're, we're confident these conversations will lead to some of that. Uh, but, but certainly over time, I think we'll, we'll explore some sub- subjects here uh, as they come up. Timely too, you know, topical, right, Alexis? Things that come up, you just mentioned the quarantine, being home with all this COVID-19 stuff. Uh, You've been working from home now for what, two and a half months?
0: Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we started, I want to say, beginning of March, maybe second week of March. Yeah. Um, And that feels like forever ago. I feel like time is just non-existent, and (laughs) I live in the twilight zone. Yes. So it's weird to think that that was actually something that happened somewhat recently because it feels like I've already lived like a quarter of a year just in total isolation. Which is almost how it's been, I guess.
1: Yeah, yes, and 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 for you, different than for your mom and dad, right? Who are in a house and excuse the word stuck with your four brothers, uh, including. Oh, but go ahead. Well,
0: on that subject, I want to say it's like pretty hilarious to see celebrities and even people I know who may have one or two kids, and they just go on social media and make it sound like it's unbearable to be a (laughs) parent to one or two kids. And I was thinking about mom, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't know how she managed to raise us and complain as little as she did because these other moms could not could not handle it i guarantee it
1: well, that's what happens when you pay somebody to raise your kids for you, which a lot of people, unfortunately, that's my opinion, do today. Uh, and I'm not talking about people working and taking their kids to daycare. I'm talking about, uh, you're talking about people who have the wealth and the means to uh, have uh, nannies and all this stuff 24-7. And so I think you're seeing some of that. But but in some ways, that's what this has been. It's been sort of, in some ways, an equalizer because suddenly Like you said, all of these celebrities that you're seeing who are now stuck at home, they can't, they can't go uh, for their hot yoga on, on Hollywood, in Hollywood or anything like that. (laughs) They're stuck at home. Right. So, so now they, they, they kind of deal with what the rest of us deal with. And that is our life is not always parties and premieres and things like that. So, so you're right. You're starting to see that. But I, but I do think, you know, that, that you also have a situation where it's different. Like you're by, you're by yourself there. Yes. You have roommates but you're not with your family. You came up for a week uh, at the beginning of this to kind of hang out with us because we weren't sure what was going to happen. So you came up and you stayed at home for a while. And so you kind of saw that now, of course, here we are. We, our first day home was March 13th and we're recording this on mother's day, which is May 10th. So it's been two straight months uh, and, and we have not ventured away from the house very much other than going to the grocery store or the Costco mm-hmm. before they made you wear masks. Cause I just want to wear a mask, but, uh, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's just different. I think depending on where you're at in life and being stuck with kids and being at home It's certainly different, but at the same time, we also have each other here. So <laughs> there's, there's good and bad with that, right? When you're stuck with the same people in the same house all the time. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, being home was nice and it's, it- the people that know you the best. So ideally, while they might drive you crazy, I couldn't imagine a better group (laughs) of people to be quarantined with. Sure. Same with like, hopefully, yeah, I I, would, I feel bad for people living with like Craigslist roommates right now that they don't speak <laughs> to because that's probably really awkward to have more face-to-face time than you probably intended.
1: Well, it is. And you say Craigslist uh, uh, roommates, which is just so weird too, because again, this isn't a difference in age. And, and, and I don't know if it's so much age as it is time and stage of life, but for example, you know, it's so 70% of marriages today, I think that's the statistic. It's pretty large. Uh, mm-hmm. are are born out of online dating. So so people meet people online and 70% uh, of those that are getting married these days cuz a lot of younger people aren't getting married, but when they do get married they answer the question, where did you meet? And it's online. That didn't exist with your mom and I, you know, we just met people at work and at school and all that kind of stuff. Right. So that's changed too, which is is generational, but but driven by technology. And, and we're gonna get into technology and things like that in, in future episodes of sh- the Shut Up Dad podcast, but in this episode, we really wanted to talk about something. And this was, let me give you the background on this because the story here was, you know, your, your 19-year-old brother is home from college because they all had to leave college early. So he's home now and he'll be home during the summer as well. And we were talking one day, and as, as your brother tends to do, he gets offended whenever you challenge him. So what happened was we were talking about music, and I was arguing with him, not not that just our music was better, because that's, you know, I can go back to my grandparents who grew up with swing and big band, who said, okay, that was good music. Now you have all this crap with, you know, from Elvis on that they thought was not real music. They, for them, the music when you're growing up is kind of the music that you think is best. And it wasn't that, but mm-hmm. it was... I was talking to him about the music business and how things had changed and how sales today, you know, Taylor Swift may sell a ton of albums or quote unquote downloads, but how different it was because back in the day when you were a rock star or a pop star, a music star, you had to sell physical product. You had to sell albums. Now that's, I, I, I stream all my music now. I have my vinyl but I stream music all the time. Most of the time, 95% of the time. Right. So I love it. I love, you know, me, I love technology. So I love the streaming and all that stuff, but it was, it's much different because when I was a teenager, I had, I waited Tuesdays were release days. They've now switched it to Friday, but Tuesdays were release days. So like during the summer when I wasn't in school, if a record came out, I would save my money. I would take the bus to the record store And I grew up in North San Diego County, a place called Lose Records. If you're from San Diego County, you know what I'm talking about. I would take the bus there on Tuesday for release day, and I would go physically buy the album, take the bus home, and then listen to it both sides, right? I'd listen to every song and and see how the record was. Now, today, you don't have to do that.
0: That that was an experience for you. Like You physically had to go out of your way and almost plan an entire morning or afternoon or whatever to go and actually grab that piece of music. Correct. Which is weird. I could, I could not even fathom doing that. Right. Or at least like I go to, I go to target and then somebody wants to charge me like $30 for a record now. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, that's, I can not get that for cheaper online.
1: Well, that's because it's a nostalgic piece right now. Now vinyl sales have significantly risen over the last five years as people your age have gotten to understand vinyl and it's kind of experiential piece of it, like you said. And so, so those have increased, but still, majority of folks, so your brother's age, especially, I mean, you're a too. you explore music. If something new comes out, right, then you're going to uh, like your brother, your brother's into Mac Miller, who I'm not, I'm not a fan of, but anyway, <laughs> Ma- <laughs> Mac Miller, when his stuff comes out, your brother doesn't go physically and drive to a record store and, and go buy something and bring it home and all the anticipation and all the things that go along with that. Instead, he wakes up that morning, Mac Miller's Mac Miller's new music is released, he presses a button and it's there, right? Right. Which is very cool in some ways, don't get me wrong, especially for sampling. Like if I want to, hey, you know, because back in the day, I'd buy a record and if it sucked, guess what? I was stuck with it. it. I had to, I had to go mm-hmm. back to the same record store because they also bought used records because that used to be a business and I would take it and sell it back because I didn't like it. Right. So, so that piece of it also you, so you were committed. It was like an investment nowadays. It's like, Oh, I listen to that song and I see it all the time on Twitter. Right. Because a lot of the people I interact with being in the media business are younger than me. And, and when I see them, they, Oh, you know, Kanye's album came out. Now Kanye got religious. So suddenly, suddenly a lot of people don't like him, but his, his album comes out and people are like, it came out 10 minutes before and like an hour later, they've listened to it and they go, oh, it sucks. I already deleted it from my phone, <laughs> right? So, right. so it, it's a whole different thing. And I get that. Things just, technology's changed everything. We have computers in our hands now. I didn't have that either. And, and there's very good things about it and there's very bad things about it. But with music, it just changes the dynamic. And, and, and I'll get into kind of a theory I have later about that. But when you look at today's music, the question we want to ask today is, does today's popular music suck? was it better was it better overall and more and more creative and more diverse when i was younger right so rock and roll my parents you know they were raised in the 50s and 60s and so in the 70s and they had these big acts these personalities songs bands They were sort of made to last. In fact, they're still touring today. They make huge amounts of money. I mean, think about bands, Alexis, even that you like through your parents, like the Eagles, right? right? Or Phil Collins, or even one of my favorite, ACDC, right? These guys are in their upper 60s or even early 70s, and they're still touring, right? So, So their music that, yes, their audience has shrunk in some ways, but they've grown in others, they can still go out. Now, today, I would argue that personalities and rock stars and pop stars... There are still some very big ones, and I mentioned a few earlier, but the younger generation isn't as concerned or interested in longevity as like we were. It's more about that kind of instant creation and and the kind of, I think, mentality, even with music, which is, what have you done for me lately?
0: Mm. Well, I see, I don't know if I necessarily agree. Well, f- well first of all, the question of like, today- does today's music suck is kind of loaded to me because it's like, <laughs> of it's course almost it like a yes. It's like a yes and and a no because there's obviously many many things that I personally think have deteriorated or maybe genres that I just don't understand. But it's somebody else's art, you know. Maybe that's just not for me. Sure. But at the same time, I know that there's different. I, I guess people don't look for that rock or people don't look for the person i music as much as the music itself, right? Which I think it, you know it is because probably of the democratization of music, there's just so many people online making music now. And the idea that you can kind of make a come up or become big from just posting some sort of song or cover you did on YouTube or on the internet or something like that is is huge now. And it's less about somebody discovering you or you just having this ostentatious personality that you drove all the way to the top. I think it's just like, Artists are much different. The music they're making is obviously much different. And I don't necessarily think that we're looking for something crazy or out of the ordinary or something huge like an Elvis or a Madonna that shocks you. I mean, like you said, obviously there's people that have kind of replicated that in a way for either shock value, like let's say Lady Gaga or something earlier in her career did a lot of that. But I don't think we're building them up that way necessarily, unless there's some sort of a pop group or a boy band group or something like that, where it's more about the people and less about the music in that case.
1: Yeah. And and I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a double edged sword because technology drives everything now, including music there. And, and to me, like you said, the democratization of platforms uh, is both good and terrible. And I'll explain that because for me, Right. So, you know, you, uh, me, I, I've been in corporate life for a long time. Your, your whole youth, basically, uh, you, you weren't around when I first did media and did radio and things like that. Uh, and then I go back to it. So I decided to get back in. I started a website that covered the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. I started a podcast mm-hmm. about the Raiders and then suddenly I'm back on the radio. Right. So 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 believe me that those tools and the ability to jump on these platforms and create. Uh, put me where I'm at with that stuff now. But at the same time, it also in many ways uh, destroyed the ability to make large amounts of money. If you talk to artists today, and I have a few friends that I grew up with that are like session musicians in Los Angeles, and they say they they bemoan it because they look, we don't make money. You know, I make money, I go in and do a, a record now. And um, if I have a songwriting credit, I get uh, I get some revenue from that. But the money from these platforms is so small compared to what it was when we were work dealing with these big record companies who would sign you to deals, and then you got a percentage mm-hmm. of those sales. That's all changed. So in some ways, it's no different than going back to Vincent Van Gogh, because for until, until the 50s, when really rock music became a thing artists, music, musicians didn't make money. I mean, yes, you had the big bands and some of those guys like Dorsey and those guys, and those guys made money because they were massive. But pretty much every other musician was just a working class stiff. And then rock and roll changed that because suddenly you had the record business explode. That was driven by technology too, by the way. And then you had a television of course, and radio exploded. FM radio eventually after AM kind of uh, started to to fall off. And so what happened was you had all these people making money. So then the new normal at that time became if you make a record and you sell 500,000 copies, you're going to make money, right? Nowadays, though, If an artist goes on SoundCloud, I mean, a really good artist, let's say they're a hip hop artist, which is not my thing, but let's say they are, they go on, they make a really good song and suddenly they start developing downloads that they monetize that and they make some money, but they might make enough money to maybe live, which is great, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the next Jay-Z, right? So, so, so in some ways that's what it's done. And, and today there's always been like one hit wonders, right? We always talk about that in music. But today, mm-hmm. it's even worse than that. So One Hit Wonders, they'd have one hit. It was huge. It, they would go on tour and open up for another big band, and it would last for a year or two. And if they didn't come up with another song, that was kind of it. Now, Instant right. ce- instant Celebrity exists, and so you could be fame You get a song out, and two weeks later, you're done. <laughs> because, because again, I, I just deleted off my phone.
0: Right. right. Well, I think it's, it's something also to just, like, Somebody can make something, maybe even as, some people make things as a joke, like songs that sort of become memes or they become viral for some random reason. Yeah, comedy. And they, right, right. Or maybe you even make a certain small amount of music, but you don't really, you haven't really honed your craft, I guess. A lot of these people on the come up are really, not young people, it's like a that maybe they haven't lived through yet like they haven't necessarily played that ten thousand hours so to speak to become a master of their craft so maybe you know i've definitely listened to artists where they've made one song i really really liked and then the rest of their stuff just didn't seem like it i'm such behind what they were producing yeah and then i just lost interest so i think that plays a bit into it too is just the experience of having to struggle having that trial and error when you can just post whatever you want on the internet at any time and whether or not you have to take it seriously you know it's kind of up for play at that point because you can do it whenever however at your leisure well it's like less of a almost like less of a struggle in that way um which is good like you said because more artists can go online and share their craft or share whatever it is that you know they've which is, I think, is a good thing. Um, so I guess the barrier of entry is very, very low. But at the same time, I don't think it, it's like it. You don't have yeah. just that, that passion or that sort of drive to get to that point. Isn't necessarily the same. Well, well lot,
1: yeah, support. yeah. And I would, I would argue that the kind of pop star, and you mentioned Elvis and Madonna, or think about a Michael Jackson. I think those people are gone forever. And I, and I, I don't mean to say there aren't megastars now because you have a Drake or somebody like that who, who is there and they make a ton of money in songs off, uh, off their songs, but also off touring. And their brand is other things too, right? But they're now the one percenters of music and everyone else is sort of like peasants. Um, and we'll talk a little more about that. We're going to step aside for a break here from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll pick up the discussion around that. And I'll ask the question of Alexis too, and of you, the listener, do musicians have a place anymore in music? It's all digital now. How has that changed? Are these DJs that mix things onto a USB drive and then roll into a Las Vegas casino and play a gig for $60 million on a three-year contract? Are they really musicians? We'll ask that question again. You're listening to the Shut Up Dad podcast. We'll be back right after this
0: And now, back to the
1: Shut Up Dad podcast. All right, we're back. We're talking about music here on the first episode of the Shut Up Dad podcast. I am Scott Gobranson, I'm the dad. And Alexis Gobranson, my daughter, is my co-host. And before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, can there be rock stars anymore? Can there be pop stars anymore like there used to be? And the question, do musicians, people who actually physically play instruments, do they have a place anymore? That's the question we're going to deal with now on this portion. And Alexis, music is digital now, and and not that it's not art because digital music, uh, we just lost a pioneer in the world of digital music uh, in craft work who kind of started the whole synthesizer thing back in the seventies and into the eighties. But it it, it's it's art, but it's not human. It's it's assisted. It's different. Yes, it takes creativity to program things Mm -hmm. and all that. Humans put it together, but to me, the music, the warmth, it's different. It might have energy. But to me, there's a lacking, there's, you know, the human experience expressed through music, even going back to classical music, uh, was about movement and about emotion. Uh, and and while I think in electronic music, like for example, EDC, which was canceled here in Las Vegas, huge thing, the electronic Day- Daisy Carnival, um, that that music to me, while I understand going out and dancing and getting crazy, totally fine and totally fun. And it's always kind of been around in some ways. But to me, it just lacks that human element to it. Um, Is that just me being older? Or does the younger generation not want that warmth or look to music for that sort of human emotion anymore?
0: Well, I don't necessarily think you can draw like a sweeping assumption of an entire generation from, I guess, a a cult of music fans. Like personally, and you might be asking the wrong person because again, I was raised (laughs) by you and mom. And like the most, uh, the closest I've ever gotten is I don't know, like listening to Devo or something, where it was very like '80s synth, like yep. inspiration from that. But I have friends that go to raves; they love it. They savor that experience. I have seen images and videos of people crying at raves because they're so emotional about whatever the song. Sure that you sure that, you sure that wasn't
1: you sure that wasn't the molly's they took.
0: You know, I'm not entirely sure, but that's <laughs> also a stereotype of the culture. I know they really just like. Um, So I I can't necessarily speak for it. It's not my cup of tea. But then again, I haven't spent a lot of time listening to it. I haven't been pointed to artists by friends who listen to it a lot that they might think I would enjoy or something of that nature. But just don't understand it. I'm not part of that music culture, I guess, or subculture. Uh, I like when something is lyrical or something is driven more by... A more authentic, I guess, piece of music in a way where it's not manufactured by a computer, but something that's played. So I would agree with you in that aspect, but I don't think necessarily that it's bad or it's it's not human. Um, it's produced in such a way where people obviously are feeling something from it if they're paying so much. Is in real life, yeah. Something else that I don't quite understand is this kind of music to me. I experience it at home, and I don't understand how playing the same beep boop rhythm on your computer is somehow amplified or made into a better experience seeing it on stage. Because seeing a musician on stage, like you see a human playing the guitar or the drums, and they're just giving it their all. And sometimes in my performances, obviously they change it up, and you know there's there's that human element, very conversational. With a DJ set, I almost feel like there's less conversation; it's more focused on. Transitioning from one piece of electronic music to the other, strobe lights, people are dancing. You get into a mosh pit. It's really hectic. Like that. Just the idea of that gives me a lot of anxiety. So, so not your, not something I think I would experience right at a traditional concert.
1: Right, and to me, you no, know, and and that's the thing. I think there's different kinds of music for different kinds of moods and different types of expression. And you you talked about music obviously being an art form, and sure. You, you can have uh, electronic music, you know, I, the Calvin Harris, that just blows my mind that that guy makes like $90 million a year. And I know people, right. I know people who no. worked, who worked at the clubs and he literally spends two months a year putting together a mix on literally onto a hard drive and he rolls in there, puts it in there and does the same thing every time. So, so that's not any different than a musician who plays the same songs over and over. I get that, but there is some... Uh, You know, you might miss if you're a guitar player, for example. Now, of course, I grew up listening hard rock, heavy metal, pop music, that stuff from the 70s, 80s and 90s. But you could go to I could go to a Van Halen concert in San Diego and then go to a Van Halen concert in Los Angeles and they might Mm -hmm. play different songs. They might play the song a little differently every time because they're humans and when you're not programming something you might miss a chord or you might play a guitar solo miss a note and have to improvise and change it it doesn't sound bad or anything it's just it's there's there's the the innate imperfection of humans that that are that are that are kind of present in the music and so to me that's where you lose it, and even groups like you mentioned early on, who were really pushing the envelope, like I mentioned Craftwork, or I mentioned New Order, or I mentioned um, Devo, like you talked about. Yes, they were pushing it. They were doing some for the shock value and some to kind of push the envelope. But even then, they they had a they had kind of a shtick to it. It was a very robotic. They were almost they were almost making fun of the technological advances that were coming on and they were they were they were exemplifying what it meant for humanity to change because mm-hmm. technology was changing humanity and so to
0: me it well, was a little different it was interesting because i was reading a Forbes article recently that was talking about you know the loss of the rock star kind of what we're talking about now and what their point i guess had been is that back then in the 60s and the 70s music wasn't just like a small piece of the culture it was the culture like you wouldn't imagine either of those eras and not associate music or the music of the time with that when i think of the modern day there's so much else to our culture i don't think music is as fundamentally something that's like changing it or Uh the music we have today isn't necessarily pushing the bounds politically culturally as it used to, and I think that's probably the primary difference. Because but, but if you think of Woodstock of that era, free love, like that's very much associated and growing in the music of, of the time. And I don't think that our music today is pushing for that similar feel or or impact.
1: Well, and that, and that no, it, you're absolutely correct, and that that's one of the assumptions I have because. You're right that the music kind of pushed things, you know. You, you, like you said, the 60s, which I was too young, I was born in 1969, so I missed all that. Um, for me, it was you know, late 70s into the late 80s, uh, when I was kind of growing up and starting to listen to music. But you're right that you know, the 60s, the music, you can listen to a record from 1969 or 1968, The Summer of Love, and you hear you hear that the, the, the turmoil that was happening in culture and in society and politics with the Vietnam War and all that at the time. That, and, and you're right. But to me, I'm just wondering how the younger generation is, is artistically expressing themselves uh, and moving for change in culture, because I don't see it. I see, I see mean, vicious, tweets. I see, you know, all kinds of weird stuff, but I don't see anything that is culturally advancing that is, that is art based. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't great artists and maybe poets and writers, and, and I might not a- agree with their political opinions or whatever they're saying, but I get that. Like I, I totally support that. And I say, okay, you're, you're a poet and you you have poetry about the lack of, of, of racial harmony in New York city, whatever it may be totally fine but you always had that in music too so i think you're right i think music did drive culture and it always drove culture with young people music mm-hmm. music is young people i'm not saying that older folks like us now don't love music cuz you know me i love music i live it every day but at the same time i get that it's it's it 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 youth drives the culture okay and that's what has me mm-hmm. concerned and with music a little bit is you know EDM, is that rebellious? I mean, what's rebellious about that? Like, for me, growing up in the 80s, I had guys dressing up in girls' tight pants with long hair and hairspray, you know, singing about girls, so they weren't, you know, they weren't uh, trying to be transvestites or anything. They were they were full of testosterone, and for me, it was that hormonal turmoil, aggressive, sexual, rebellious. That was what that music was for me and why I was attracted to it, because that was my age. But now... Like I, I, I find it as an adult looking at it and I try to keep an open mind. I don't find that. So where is the culture being driven outside of taking pictures of yourself?
0: Well, and I mean, I don't I don't think that they, I can't speak for EDM, but I don't think that music on the whole is just speaking to one central message anymore as much as it might have. I think that music is almost, in my opinion, more personal these days in a different way because because, like I said, there's such a variety of it. So many people have access to be able to create, produce, publish music. And everyone speaks to their own individual experience, which is where you get you know, the niche alternatives and really indie bands and markets and things like that. Um, I don't know if we're necessarily seeking for it to be rebellious or counterculture in any way. Um, I'm sure that there's communities of music that exist for that I don't know of them. Like there's no, you know, modern like punk revolution or revival or rock and roll in the way that it was once known. But I know that there's certain, you know, genres like R and B maybe, or rap that still are trying to push certain messages or speak to the pain of certain individuals or the stories of certain individuals. And that does exist. It's just maybe not quite as loud as it once was, or it's not as unified, I guess, because, I see a lot of artists these days and I'm sure they did back then. Maybe it's amplified now because we have social media and we have the internet, but they're always feuding. People are always, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> like beefing with each other sure. or talking smack about and each that's other. Always, and I,
1: That's always happened.
0: I figured. Yeah. And it's just, that's, it, it's an interesting question because I don't know if, if our generation is showing anger or change through music. I think there's, so many other routes they can take like you mentioned earlier you can be an armchair activist and just tweet from wherever you are at any given moment how you feel about literally any subject and that's considered something that's like putting your opinion out there putting your voice out there but there are people that you know they write they make podcasts they do a lot of other mm. things uh, go through a lot of other creative outlets um i just don't know if there's a leader specifically in each of those sectors. It is very much a flavor of the month type of a situation.
1: Yeah, no. Um, Because you do
0: have, you know, obvious like world or political leaders or people that are very involved as youth in different causes and cultures. But when it comes to just like a modern working class person sort of rising through the ranks to become a cultural phenomenon like I maybe that doesn't exist as it once used to at least I can't name somebody off the top of my head right now that's done that no in but that's an impactful
1: way no and I think you make a good point and again you're listening to the shut up dad podcast I'm Scott gobranson co-host is Alexis gobranson my daughter and we're talking about music today and Alexis, I think you're right. I think that you, you, your generation expresses, and I say, again, we're make like you said, we're making generalities here, not, not because I'm, I'm going to make everybody like you or like someone else, but just for the point of discussion, um, with your generation, you're mm-hmm. right. You can, I can, I can build a following on Instagram or Twitter and you do this for a living because you work in digital marketing, um, I I can build a following and people will hear what I have to say, and while I think that is amazing and great, and that's one of the beautiful things about things like social media platforms, uh, it, that is fine. But everybody, you know what you know what they say about opinions, right? Everyone's got one. Everybody, it's it's like an like an asshole. Everybody's got one, <laughs> and no one right. no one thinks their there stinks, right? So so I get that we all have opinions, and there's nothing wrong with expressing your opinions. At the same time, I think that the way it was done through music, and, and I'll get, I think it is being done through music in some ways, and I'll get to that in a second. But but I think that back then, people, because they didn't have those platforms, they had to be creative with how they got their message across and their point of view. Maybe they were from the inner city. Maybe they were white Middle class kids frustrated with their parents and their uh, the consumerism, and so they 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 did punk in the in the early eighties, right? Uh, and and they they railed against that, and they spoke to their angst and and what it was like growing up in that. And then you had people who were coming from all different parts of the world, like the UK, and they would talk about the inequities there. With income and all taxes and all these other things. So, so, so that makes sense. I, I don't think the, the, the issues have changed all that much. And I think the way that younger generations talk about them today is good. I, just, I, I feel like it was done more artfully. Does that make sense?
0: Well, it's just music was a much larger part of it back then. That was just right. like one of the ways you could put yourself out there on a massive scale. But you can do that so easily now with other tools. So why choose music as the route by which you do that? But, but but I feel almost in a way it's like it takes more effort to do it through music. I'm it, not it saying does. that people are being lazy. <laughs> I'm not saying people yes, are you being are. lazy about yes, it. You are. Well, okay, maybe maybe I am, but like the bottom <laughs> bottom line is, you know, if you're trying to put something out there that can be viralized, it's much easier and probably more successful to do it through other means than by producing a song. Correct. Because you one, you, know, you have to be musically talented to do that which sure. not many, you know, everybody is. No offense to everybody out there. But, Sorry, mom. But that's but, like, the,
1: but that's the thing, <laughs> Alexis. If you're if you're an essayist or you're writing books or heck, even if you have a blog that is well done and thought out and you spend time on, meaning if you're going to write a thing about why Trump is the worst human being in the world, which seems to be a very popular thing these days. Fine. That's fine whether people agree with you or not, doesn't matter. But if you do it and you do it thoughtfully and you do it logically and you do it uh, with, with some craft, that's awesome. Like, I I think those tools are great. I don't know that 200 plus characters on Twitter is, is lasting enough. I I mean, I understand how, how trends happen and things can move via those channels and I'm not in any way poo-pooing their power, what I'm saying, though, is I think doing it through art, it, it speaks to people in such a more meaningful way. And, and I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if it's being lost. Now, I will say there's some exceptions. I think parts of the hip hop culture are still doing this because of what because of poverty and all the different things you see inside the inner city that you you see some hip hop artists who are very, very significantly important culturally and are also doing uh speaking to what they have lived and what they've gone through and what folks in similar situations are living through so they bring a voice to those people and so people are attracted to that music and so in some ways parts of hip i've actually argued that as much as i'm not a modern hip-hop guy um I've said that hip hop, rock and roll, you know, Gene Simmons from Kiss, right? He said it, rock and roll is dead, basically. He really, he meant it. Now, he's out touring still and making tons of money, but, but he said it's dead because music, I think he would, yeah. because nobody wants to pay for music anymore. So there's no business anymore. So rock is dead. I think rock and roll in its, in its form has changed. Uh, and I might not like it as much, but I think it does live in a core of hip-hop. Now, hip-hop started when I was young, right? We digged it. We we liked the pioneers. I still listen to them. They pushed the limits. Uh, people like Tupac Shakur, who was very into and was very polarizing. You know, a lot of white people looked at him as 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 somebody who was trying to stir up racial divide and all that stuff. But if you listen to his music, no, he was he was expressing himself. And yes, he used curse words and all that kind of stuff. But at even then, you know the, the the gangster rap stuff in the late '80s, like right when I got out of high school, with 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 um, 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 the bands like I'm trying to think. Oh, N.W.A. Right, those guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, they used talking about shooting the police, and that was just amazing back then. People went bonkers over it. But and that was considered crass at the time. That's nothing compared to what is given way now to more crass expression. That doesn't even really speak to some of the issues, in my view in, for example, the black community or Hispanic community. Um, Instead, it's just like, just pure out, I'm just going to curse. I'm going to talk about sleeping with as many chicks as I can. I'm going to MF this. I'm going to kill this person. I'm going to kill that person. So, so it, it's interesting. And that, of course, is not all hip hop. There's some very great hip hop young artists that I might not listen to on a daily basis, but they are pushing forward, uh, I think, societal change through their art. Um, but I just wonder the crassness of everything to me. And it's not just because I'm older, because I listened to stuff back in the day that was considered crass right when I was young. Uh, But today, I don't know. I mean, from your point of view, don't you think that in general, the culture, which music is also part of the culture, has just gotten more crass for the sake of being crass?
0: Uh, Well, when it comes to hip hop, I think that type of music or songs you might be referring to that are crass or maybe especially gangster rap, like I am obviously not the intended audience for that. I don't know who that's supposed to speak to because it's it's obviously not for me. Like I'm I'm not part of that community. Right. So I don't know if I can necessarily speak to the message of that or the intention behind that. I think that's something that maybe like they can explain or articulate better. But I, I do understand to a certain extent like hip hop has always meant something. It's always been pushing for some sort of, you know, Placing their struggle out on the table For the world to see with an understanding Like hey this is the struggle that we Go through on a day to day basis that people might not Recognize and we're laying it out for you here in song So you can hear our pain you can hear our struggle you can Hear our triumph etc. I think a lot Of rap again these days is about Beefing with people I think A lot of it is just to sell Like party anthems or party Songs things like that it's About rolling up in your fancy Sports car spending as much cash as possible at the Strip club drinking getting into your bougie drug habits and then that's the song you know there's yeah. not really much to it it's just a song for people to go out and get rowdy to which there's a market for that too so i can't blame people for no i guess hust- hustling to make their money there does it have some sort of deeper significant meaning i don't think so but no. then again like i can't speak to the end int-
1: but neither did woolly bully in the 60s behind every artist neither so. did woolly bully in the 60s right it was people wanted to drink beer from a keg and and go crazy and just scream and sing Wooly Bully. I mean, you know, there's, and, and believe me, a lot of the music I listened to um, heavy metal rock and roll stuff. A lot of that was just fun. Good, good time music. Right. It was, it didn't have, I mean, I'm a huge, huge Van Halen fan. Right. And, and that was just party music from California in the seventies. Hey man, let's go out and have fun. So I get, there's always a purpose and a place for, music as an escape, right? Um, and I just wonder, and again, I'm I'm, I'm a 50-year-old white guy. You're a 22-year-old right. Latina because your mom is Hispanic, obviously. We're a mixed-race family. Mm-hmm. But but from, from that perspective, maybe we just don't relate to it, so it's hard for us to speak to it. But I just think overall, and I, I don't think this is just with music. Yeah. I think overall, I mean, you watch reality television. You watch things that you see on YouTube, you watch things that you see people say in Twitter. I'm shocked that people and I might curse every once in a while on Twitter like the S word or something like that. But overall, I'm not going to I'm not going to post pictures of my private parts hanging out somewhere on social media. It's just amazing to me that people do this stuff and their employers can see it, their neighbors can see it. It's just it's just odd to me. But again, it's it's a whole different time. And I was brought up to do things differently. So, so each to their own. I'm all about that. I'm a libertarian that way. It's like, hey, if you don't harm anybody else, I'm okay with it as long as it's not illegal. Uh, But at the same time, I just wonder from a cultural standpoint and with music, you know, again, I'm a rock and roll guy. I love guitar, but then I also love, like I said, I love old school hip hop, rap, that kind of stuff. I love uh, classical music. I love jazz. I love blues. You name it. Um, But it just seems to me that. Uh, It just music is not driving culture for young people anymore. It's more technology based, which music is part of now. Uh, And then it's the other things. Like you said, it's other expressions. It's, it's photography, it's video, it's things like TikTok where I can do these goofy things, but that's what people are into.
0: Right. Well, and here, the thing is like music is a way almost to just fill the time, which is, it can be good and bad. I don't think that music was always that way. I have friends that are physically incapable of driving in the car in silence or walking somewhere (laughs) in silence. Like, think about it. Like, until you had the Walkman or something like that, you couldn't just take portable music with you everywhere that you went. But We had had boomboxes.
1: What are you talking about? We had boomboxes.
0: Well, you were right. But even before that time, I'm talking about, like, music was not always accessible at your whim. And I think now because of that, there's almost like this anxiety to find the perfect music for every moment which is why you shuffle through it so quickly because you're listening to so much of it all the time. Uh. I feel like there used to be some sort of special moment. Like you could come home from school or work and I could put on your record or your CD or whatever it was and have that space and that time to listen to music. And then you have that moment, but now music is literally everywhere and anywhere all the time at any given moment. And you're consuming it at such a rapid pace that, previous generations just had it that that's probably why you get tired of it more easily or you crave something new or something different whatever that like i said yeah. earlier that flavor of the month might be it's because of the rate at which we're consuming because it's not just listening it is a consumption it's like an entirely different good in and of itself
1: yeah. And, so. and No, and you're right. And that's not just generational. I think people my age too are in that because they have the phone at their fingertips. Right. And so they can't, I mean, you can't go in a doctor's right. office. Uh, okay. Before all this stupid virus madness crap, you, 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 you couldn't go into a doctor's office or wait in line to get your tires rotated and have people just sit there and look at you or talk or read a magazine. Cause it's everybody's on their phone. Right. And, and I do it too. I'm not, Hey, I'm guilty but I'm just saying you have everything. So I think that is a really, really good point. Uh, And, and I also think too, you know, to me, because you know me, I love sports, the same as sports during this whole lockdown, um, just as an aside uh, on, on one of the, the major league baseball channel, uh, which I watch on YouTube TV, they are replaying a show I grew up with, which was called this week in baseball, because back when I was a kid, You could not, you didn't have 85 channels with sports on them all the time, right? You had maybe one cable channel and your local channel that would play baseball. So if I wanted to know what was going on in Major League Baseball, I read a newspaper, right? A daily newspaper. Or on Saturdays, I would watch this weekend, Sundays actually, I'd watch this weekend baseball, okay? And it would go around the league and tell you what was going on in the league. You'd see video from different games because you didn't get highlights on your phone and so, so it's very similar. You're right. The, the, there's more conception. There's more options, which makes all of this content, including music, just more ubiquitous. Okay, Alexis, we're going to step aside for one final break. And then when we come back, we're going to finish up our discussion on music. We're going to talk about just to show some differences and to show how hopefully I raised my daughter, right? Um, we're going to talk about our top five albums of all time or records of all time. And uh, then we'll close out a discussion on music and culture. You're listening to the just, excuse me, you're listening to the shut up dad podcast. We'll be back right after this.
0: And now back to the shut up dad podcast.
1: All right, we're coming back. And of course, you know, our music on this show, Alexis, it's a little funky. It's got guitar. It's not, it's not EDM. No,
0: I love funk. <laughs> what are you talking
1: about? Well, I know you do, but I'm just saying, uh, and again, it, for those people out there listening, especially the younger listeners, I if you love EDM, more power to you. I I just I just don't get it other than using it for like under right. under a video. Well,
0: <laughs> same for yeah, exactly. It well, wasn't same for rap and hip hop. Like uh, obviously I feel like somebody, you know, from the black community can probably speak much better to whatever the intent or Yeah.
1: Yeah. Be. Yeah. yeah. That, well no that's true. I mean we all look through our lens, right? Uh depending where we come from. And so some things some things in culture and art might speak to us and others don't and that's totally fine. There's 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 a place for all of it. Uh, I I'm, I'm, I mean mm-hmm. like I like I said I love rock and roll, I love heavy metal, but I don't like Swedish death metal where they where they sound like right, they're actually right. where they're actually <laughs> like spawns of satan, their voice <laughs> like I'm not into that right? But, but a lot of people like it and more power to them. But Alexis, when we talk about music, you know, the differences at what's happening now versus, and when I name my, my favorite albums, we're going to get into a point here where we talk about our favorite albums, just to, just to give you sense for the kind of music we like. Um, I asked Alexis in advance to come up with five of her favorite albums of all time. Now, Again, to some younger listeners, when they think of albums, they're not really thinking of albums. They're looking at songs and things like that that they download or listen to on Spotify, although Spotify, you can do playlists and all that stuff. But for me, these are long form, meaning that, again, you invested. And in some cases, you had albums that were concept albums, that you li- you had to listen songs one through 10, and they were one long story, right? For me, in the 80s, there was a band called Queensryche, and they had the record called Operation Mindcrime, which was a very dark and 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 pretty sadistic story uh like a revolutionary story okay and but you had to listen to every song because they all connected to each other like they people don't do that anymore because it just doesn't sell which i understand but anyway so i wanted to go through the top five albums of all time as we look at them to see if there's differences between us now again you know alexis grew up in my household she grew up with a steady uh i think um Uh, stream of music that you would expect uh, me to like. So I'll read it, but I'm going to give you my albums, Alexis, and then we'll, we'll get to yours. Um, Number one for me, because I just love guitar and he's a hero of mine is the first Van Halen album, 1978. Jamie's crying. uh, You really got me. You name it. All those songs are great on that album. Second, for me, is Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, the late, great Stevie Ray Vaughan, who died when I was in college. I remember the day when he crashed in a helicopter. It was a very sad day for me. Uh, Couldn't stand the weather. Great record. Then, a record before my time, but one that I've really, again, with age, sometimes you go back and you start to listen to music that you might have listened to but didn't appreciate as much, and now you do. Um, My favorite Beatle, George Harrison, All Things Must Pass, his album, All Things Must Pass, which is a classic, but nonetheless... Really, for me, over the last 10 years is really when I found that album more and really uh, got into it. Then number four, Beastie Boys, Check Your Head, which if you've watched the Beastie Boys movie on uh, on Apple TV, uh, you know what a great story. Uh, make sure you watch it if you haven't. But that album came out when I was in college and doing college radio. It was the theme song to our sports talk radio show when I went to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas and just love the Beastie Boys. Uh, and then number five, of course, can't I can't have any list of top albums without my other guys, my guys from Down Under, and that is ACDC, Back in Black, the 1980 album after they had lost their singer Bon Scott to death. They bring on Brian Johnson and and blow it away and make one of the most and and uh, highest-selling albums of all time. So there you go. Mine, yes, all rock and roll with the exception of Beastie Boys, but that's that's sort of where, I mean, I have a million albums that I love, but if I had to take five with me, and, and go to the moon. Those are the five I would take with me. Well, yep,
0: see, Alex. My well, the difference for me, which makes it incredibly difficult, is I actually am not a huge album. It takes to listen to an entire album from start to finish and actually enjoy a song which is fine. No one says for an album, you have to enjoy every song, but I have very few where I've listened to actually every single song on an album. Is that crazy? Or is that bizarre? I mean,
1: that's the point (laughs) I'm making though. Like the difference between, this is where you see the, now, now you're going to get into the songs here probably in a second. And I'm sure some of them will line up with songs that I like because again, of where you were raised, but that's my point is it's, it's not the same. It's not the same experience. You don't listen to a full album anymore.
0: Right, right. No, and with that, I think I sort of albums, I guess, where I listen to them ex- very, very frequently or don't get tired of listening to them. Uh, it's in no particular order, but at least from what I could recall, uh, is Eagle's greatest hits album. I know it's not technically an album. It's more of a whole oh. album. No, but,
1: but, but Alexis, it's the, it's the best-selling album of all time.
0: No, I need to Google this right now. I'm gonna be amazed. <laughs> it,
1: it, it is. It's the it's the greatest selling album of all time. Eagles Greatest Hits.
0: Oh wow, you're actually correct. Oh, oh followed follow by minute. rumors.
1: <laughs> yeah, Fleetwood Mac. Yes.
0: Yeah, that was okay. That so I want to say that that's definitely up there. Another one, my second one, is Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. That's something where I actually enjoy almost every song on that album, which is kind of strange because I don't think you're a big beach Boys listener or no, as long, uh, as hey, far as I can remember.
1: No, I am uh, and, and I was it was funny because we I was watching as I mentioned, I've been watching a lot of old baseball with nothing new on and growing up in San Diego going to Padre Games as a kid, the Beach Boys would play every summer at a Padres game. So I, grew, oh, really? yeah, I would grow up going to their game, their their concerts after Padre games. Of course, they were older, and most of the members were not in the band anymore at that time. But three or four of them mm-hmm. were. Uh, and Pet Sounds, from a musical standpoint, is huge because the song again. This goes back to songwriting, which is part of my point on why I don't think music is good anymore. The songwriting, um, especially uh, from Brian Wilson on that one, and the sonic creativity on that album because that album was not successful when it was released it was, consi- no, it was considered a flop but it's one it's it's Which like really it,
0: sad because yeah if you think about it that's like brian's magnum opus yeah pretty much
1: yes but but at the same time it's sort of like it was in some ways uh, i i know beetle fans will go nuts on me in the comments on this one but in some ways i think that album was as important as Sgt. pepper's
0: I mean, I, I would say so. Looking back on now, because everybody knows songs from this album, like Correct. Wouldn't It Be Nice is one of their biggest ones, mm-hmm. at least not maybe at the time, but later on. And then I, I personally, I just, I, I really, really love the song God Only Knows, even though it's not supposed to be like some super happy song. I listen to that and it instantly makes me happier. I have no idea why. Yeah. So that's just, it's an album that's impacted me. Um, and then following that, Completely different, but uh, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, which seems <laughs> a very, I guess you could say like feminist pick, but gosh, I love certain just artists from the 90s. Like if I could take music from the 90s and pick an album that definitely represented it, I think she did a great job on this particular album. No, just, I like did, the, I, ang- I the had, angst of the time.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and I was in college. Right towards the end of my college days, then, and I had it. It was and it was great. And but it goes to the point oh, I was making cool. earlier. And then I'll let you get on with your list because I keep interrupting you because I'm dad. Um, you're supposed to say "shut up, dad" because that's the name of the podcast. Right? Um, oh but, yeah. <laughs> but the Alanis Morissette album, you're right. It has a feminist bent. It's you know it's a it has the emotion of her being hurt by by relationships and all that kind of stuff. It has emotion. And again, that's what I loved about it was I might not relate to it because I'm not a woman. I might have been the guy who um, pissed off some girl when I was dating her and she would write a song like that, right? Hopefully not as bad. But nonetheless, right. it, it, it has that human emotion <laughs> and it expresses it in a way where the energy and the anger connect with you at a level that I think, you know, you don't find in electronic music. But again, I I,
0: I I digress. Right. Well, that's something I guess neither of us will ever understand. <laughs> but somebody, somebody could try to explain yes. if anyone wants to. Feel yes. free to reach out. But uh, otherwise, moving on. I love a little less angsty, but everyone knows. At least my friends would know. I love the Killers, so I love their Hot Fuss album. That also wasn't something that blew up when it came out but then became hyper-successful years later, which is really bizarre. But I always thought that The Killers were something like of a reinvention of rock in the modern age, mm-hmm. in more of a synth kind of a way. Um, but I really, really enjoy most songs on the album as well. But yeah, And but it, but it, Mr. Brightside has become like a cultural phenomenon for my generation. I don't know why, but I feel like Nowadays, it's almost like a meme, like when everybody was just, people say everybody was just born knowing the lyrics to Mr. Brightside, and then <laughs> we can all just collectively bond over that, but that's just such a good album. It's,
1: I, it's a, well, and every generation, Alexis, has anthems, right? I think that's one for your generation. You were born in 1997, uh, and of course the killers have a connection with you too, because you were both born in Las Vegas. So a Las Vegas band and you being born. So, but yeah, but, but it is, it was, you know, to me them and, and even a little bit earlier than that, um, you know, and, and actually Gene Simmons said this too, as much as Gene Simmons can be a jerk, he's also a brilliant businessman and he said it, he said, he said the last great rock and roll band was the Foo Fighters, which, which, which which I tend to agree right. with, uh, but I think the killers are right there. Yeah, they use more synth, but, but their stuff moved. It was danceable, but it also had that edge.
0: Oh, it did. And it, well, it still does. I mean, I yep. don't think they've made anything recently, but um, it was it was poppy enough where it could drive you almost in, I guess, for its time, then, you know, where it was built for people to be able to dance to it and have fun. But they played actual music, as you would call it. They played, not wholeheartedly just like the cold electronic form. It was almost like an amalgamation of the two. So I think it sort of bridged that for my generation, which is why they probably enjoy it so much. Um, And then moving forward from there, I guess this is, what is this number? Is this my fifth one? Yes, This could be my fifth one. I don't count. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to him. Ryan and I talk about him a lot. But John Belliam, his album, The Human Condition, is always and forever will be in my top five, no matter how old I get. That album is, like you mentioned earlier, a concept album where it goes from start to finish. If you listen to it in order, it tells a story or it talks about different his life, which I find really interesting. And the last song on the album is actually sort of this whole order he brings in a choir and it like takes all the lyrics from the song and sort of every song on the album and sort of pushes them into a single song. I don't know how to describe it in any other way, but you need to listen to it. It's really, really good. But a lot of the songs actually pull from his, him pulling from nostalgia from his childhood and his experiences, pulling from issues with the modern day. It addresses like faith and pop culture and, and all these really deep topics. And he's just very real on it. And I think it's, an album that in, combines a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of electronic, but it speaks to actual issues rather than just like sleeping with women. Get more <laughs> type of a situation.
1: Yeah, and so, you know what? And that's again, why I
0: really enjoy that.
1: well, and that it's good too because I should probably I've I not listened to him, so I should probably listen to it because it sounds like I would connect with that. Even if the music is a little different than what I'm used to, it sounds like it does. Um, kind of hark back to what I'm talking about with music, which is the emotion and and even though the sound might be different and not might not from my generation, um, it, it, it could be something I relate to. so that's that's interesting and it's um, yeah, I think it goes to show there is music. I mean, I, I still find new music. Um, clearly, when you're older like I am and you hit 50, you tend to listen to stuff that you grew up with or that, that has memories for you, just like we all do. Uh, but I'm always yearning for new music and always yearning. I mean, one of my favorite bands right now, and because they play music like it was played when I was younger, uh, is a band. It's a family band. Think of a heavy metal version of the Partridge family, right? Right. They're called uh, Liliac, and they are a all brothers and sisters, and they play like heavy metal type stuff um, and they're huge on YouTube and, and, uh, they're getting really well known and just amazingly talented kids. Uh, but now they're writing their own music. They used to do a lot of covers and now they're writing their new music. So it's that hard driving rock and roll that I love, but it's, it's, it's new, it's kids and they're speaking from their experience as younger people. So I can relate to it because the music is what the way I like it, even though the experiences are from a younger generation. So it just goes to show you, you can always find new music I just worry about the totality of it overall. And for me, the bottom line is popular music is for the young. It's, it's a relay race and the baton gets passed, right? And the generations hope the next takes it, keeps pushing, creating new things that express what music has always expressed, which is really humanity, it's frailty, it's beauty, it's misery, it's struggle. Uh, and music has captivated us and kind of been that key emotional outlet uh, for a long, long time. And I don't get the feel... Of that from this younger generation. I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying I feel like that's the way it is. And yes, you listen to a lot of music and have more options and ways to discover, but is it any better because there's more of it? That I think is part of my profound question. And for me, Alexis, your dad, and a proud Mm -hmm. member of perhaps the most quietly maligned and forgotten Generation X. Music was at the core of our kind of maturity and exploration of who we were, and it was the friend that didn't judge. You know, it was the allowed us to be us and to find our tribe and to help us find others. Uh, like us to create kind of those everlasting bonds and memories. And I, I worry your generation doesn't have the same and that music doesn't bring you together as much as it used to its background music. Uh, but, but, but maybe there's other things that I don't see that do that. But uh, that that's kind of my point on the music thing in closing. I'd love to hear what you have to say and kind of your takeaways from the discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean, points were made. There were valid things said in this conversation. However, <laughs> I believe that uh, sometimes, music doesn't need to be that serious. Music can be fun. Music can be so party. It can be immature. I feel like there's a lot of music throughout the ages that's represented that. Um, and while I do think there's obviously certain genres I don't listen to, or maybe I can't see because I'm not culture, you know, it. in some ways it has lost its warmth, but there's definitely nuggets of goodness in there. And I don't think all hope is lost necessarily. Um, and even myself i do i I gotta say like i do listen to some songs that are considered maybe quote-unquote like fun or party songs that can get pretty raunchy but they move you too just in a different way
1: (laughs) yeah
0: transform me into a better person probably not from listening to it no but you know when when i'm you know getting ready to go somewhere or meet a friend or something. I like to listen to that fun music. I'm not going to listen to something that makes me think about politics or <laughs> the end of the world or poverty or things like that. So I think having a good mixture of both is, is something that we have a luxury of these days. But I agree. I hope people don't stop making music to make a point. I hope people continue to make music that's authentic, that's intelligent, that speaks to something. Because I think that if your music isn't driven by something or some sort of passion of yours, then it definitely loses
1: some luster. No, sorry. Just kidding. Uh, But by the way, too, you know, the thing is I I always talk about Van Halen being one of my favorite bands. I think I've mentioned it like four times now, Um, by the way, Van Halen. And I know luckily Alexis likes Van Halen and she got crap at college parties for having a Van Halen patch on her jacket. Um, But oh, the, Van
0: contrary. And
1: yeah, My professors loved that patch. Your professors, yeah, because they're my age. But the the Van Halen, the funny thing about it was, and the same thing with ACDC, and I'll get to that in a second, because we're running out of time, but but Van Halen is actually dance music. When you look at dance, dance music is classified as anything above 124 beats per minute, right? Um, mm-hmm. or beats per second per minute excuse me uh and and van halen most van halen songs are 126 beats per minute and you there's a great interview if you can you go find it on youtube just just go just uh, uh search in youtube or google it where david lee roth the, the lead singer of, of van halen talks about that and says listen yeah the guys behind me in the band the, out, the van halen brothers and michael anthony they were rock guys i was a dance guy i like vaudeville i like dance music and all this kind of stuff so i always got pushed them to, to up the beat and to get it faster which is why when he left and Sammy Hagar came in who I love Sammy Hagar too and that version of the band their music changed it was not 126 beats per minute for most for most songs so it's it's interesting how that's why they could cross over with a song like Jump which of course was heavy synthesizer but then mm-hmm. the same thing with, with ACDC ACDC D- is done in a scale the Mixolydian scale uh, in music which if you're a musician you'll know what that means uh, and their song that's why they get a lot of uh, people say your songs all sound the same ACDC songs they do but that's why generations love the band because it it tends to be very beat oriented and, and while it's not technically dance music uh, a fifty year old will listen to it and like it, and a ten year old can listen to it and like it because of the scale it's in so music is just fascinating and that's why I'm always it's always going to be and always uh, has been an important part, part of my life and I know it is you. you play bass, you're a musician yourself too so uh it's it's no wonder that uh, we agree on that one but that's uh that's the discussion, Alexis our first podcast in the can as they say oh wow well, what
0: a moment
1: yes and. What's and
0: and all, out the script and hang it on the wall like the
1: first <laughs> dollar. Well, and as everybody says now, we're going to drop this podcast in the next day or so. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's always fun, sweetie, to talk to you about this stuff. And I know we're going to have a lot of uh, interesting conversations about all kinds of subjects. And we won't always agree as much as we probably did tonight. But that's the whole point. It's not to argue, but to just point out the differences. Uh, and as always, um, I'm proud of you. And I appreciate uh, the discussion. Well,
0: thank you. Happy to be here. Excited for what's to come.
1: All right. I love you, sweetie. I love you too, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And she didn't say shut up, Dad. If I, if I talk... Hi,
0: okay. If work, I talk, wait I'll a minute. It, what if I
1: posted your 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 sixth grade crane video report? Would you tell me to shut up?
0: I wouldn't tell you shut up. I'd just fly down there and, and give you some words. <laughs> <laughs> <All laughs> I mean, it would be right. much more aggressive.
1: All right, everybody. Well, we'll listen, we appreciate you listening to the first ever uh, Shut Up Dad podcast with Alexis Goldbranson and myself, Scott Goldbranson. We'll be back uh, on a timely basis. We hope to do this at least weekly. If not, we'll do it every two weeks, but we want to ask you a favor. Please like it um, and and give us a good rating. Subscribe to this on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. Do this and do us a favor. Share it in social media. Go on Twitter and tell, hey, people, uh, share at shut shut ShutUpDadPod um, on Twitter. You can share it there and just share the file. You know, Share the link. Make sure people listen to this. I think we, we have an interesting point of view here uh, from, a mom, uh, from a dad and a daughter who uh, are going to be talking about some pretty cool things. So for my daughter, Alexis uh, Goldbranson, I am Scott Go Branson. We appreciate you listening to, of course the shut up dad podcast. We'll be back with lots of interesting discussions and we thank all of you and we tell you all to be safe out there. And we're hopefully getting out of this thing pretty soon. Uh, take care of one another and always remember that no matter what generation you're from, no matter how different you may be, you can always find things that can bind you together and that you have an interest together. So go out there, take care of one another, and we'll talk to you next time.